0: No, okay. After an exceptionally lengthy technical Difficulty. difficulty.
1: I like to say difficulty. I don't know why. Seems as
0: though we are uh, able to begin the show. But, I, you know.
1: Well, we're running late, but I don't mind because I'm having fun hanging out. Yeah. I'm not like for once, I have to say, even though I'm not as like prepared for the show as I typically am. No. Um, I'm more like I want to just hang out. I'm here. I'm like not freaking out.
0: Oh, well, here we are hanging out.
1: Um, yeah, we got to jam a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. That was bit. fun. A I'm a little bit. rusty. I haven't yeah, been well, able to so play. I, so um, but Speaking I was, of rusty, we got to change those strings. Um,
0: the strings are not rusty. <laughs> the strings are just, they're old.
1: Yeah. We got to change the strings. Okay. We're, we're going to do a day, a guitar, an RMA guitar day. I have, I have the day. strings upstairs. I, I got to get you the, the, the strings I want to get you are Elixir, Polyweb. Trust me, you're going to love it um
0: okay i have you know, nothing funny to say so no. may as we'll begin
1: and we're back welcome to recovery in the middle ages the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in the pursuit of life love and recovery i'm Nat x i'm mike and boy do we have a show for you today on rma how you doing okay. compare well, and despair we we're actually asking how keeping up with the joneses or the kardashians can cause depression anxiety and relapse and we tackle a sticky situation with a listener email and wonder whether non-abstinence-based recovery is worth exploring. All this and more today on a very special edition of RMA. Two thoughts, yeah. One, that is an impossibly
0: broad series of topics for us to cover, and that's what I was going for. Time and two, yeah. Um, I will never be able to have an ass like Kim Kardashian. No, so I don't even. It doesn't even enter my head that I could ever compete with that.
1: Well, this is a different kind of show. And could you it just is? tell me, am I peaking? It's. I feel like it's. I sounds... don't know how much acid did you take. <laughs> I'm not peaking. Is the level? Am I too loud out there? It's probably in your headphones. Okay. Well, you want me to actually look at the levels? Let's see. Okay, see. Let's I'm look like at testing, the levels. Testing, testing, testicles.
0: Uh, levels channels you're Uh, on channel two yeah and the level go ahead say something intelligent
1: testicles
0: (laughs) i you're not really peeking okay
1: good it's just in my it's all in my headphones i mean
0: you know what here i'll just take you down a notch
1: well no then i don't like no
0: you're fine nobody will know
1: okay it's it's all good all right
0: it's not like you're gonna sound like um what's his face yeah uh our guest
1: yeah the other guest what a cool what a great show we had not that guy the other Uh, guy yeah him
0: the guy from Arizona.
1: Right. I'm drawing a total <laughs> yeah, blank. So
0: Mike, That sucks, man. He's going to be mad at us. He doesn't listen to us.
1: There's a guy in our... Oh, yes. Um, Mishka Shubali. Mishka, Mishka. Mishka, Mishka. Yes. Um, oh, it was such a great show. It was. I was. I would love to talk Are you talking about running. Evan or Mishka now? Evan, Mishka. It's yeah. all <laughs> blending together, folks. And uh, we're just happy to be here. I'm happy to be sitting across the table yes, from I mean, Mike. I have such gratitude in my heart. Yeah. For you, Nat. Have an attitude of gratitude. I do. And the rest Stop will... Stop saying that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have like oh, yeah. this endless lexicon of recovery sayings. It's, it's like another language. Nat. Um, yeah. Do you know we have to...
0: Th- you know what we have to do? What? We have to thank our Patreon members. Yeah. You know why? Because this is a listener-supported podcast. Right. And it's supported by our Patreon
1: members. And if you would like to support our podcast... What are you doing? Oh, I was just going to see if I could see some of the members and read their names. Oh, that's very nice. We've had a um, we've had a lot of new um, members join recently to the Inner Sanctum. We have, and um, it's been really cool chopping it up uh, today. We're going to have a special, a very special Monkster speak, um, where we really we get the the thoughts from the Inner Sanctum, um, and more people are joining. Um, it's uh, so you, listen, yeah. You know, if you guys want to support the podcast, and
0: we would, we're, we're, we're very thankful and appreciative of everybody that supports the podcast because uh, we couldn't do it without you. Bandwidth costs money, um, you know, and there are other attendant expenses. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages to learn more, to sign up. If you sign up, Nat will send you the secret codes. Yeah, to access the Discord server, and that's where all the fun stuff happens.
1: Yeah, and i just like to read the names of the, the most recent three uh, here, patrons. Here we go. David G., uh, Kyle, and Tim C., So, uh, and so many more Tim have C. joined. I can't see all of them from my phone, but uh, thank you so much, guys. It's been really great getting to know you. I'm learning new things every day from the monsters. I was talking to one of the new guys uh, last night. I was talking about how I have trouble sleeping. Yes, you were and, both up late. We're up late, and I, I was just divulging all of my, my sleep patterns and how uh, unhealthy they are. And he recommended tea, chamomile tea, something so simple that I knew, but until I heard it in the inner sanctum, I didn't try it, and it worked. It worked? It did, and that I told him. shit doesn't work. It does. Who had the kava tea? Someone was showing kava
0: I was looking You should not
1: do Kava. I hadn't I drug, I ha- you know. Is it really? Yeah. So I it's should like get-
0: illegal in, the, in some states.
1: Well now that I know that. Kava I'm is in, in the same it.
0: gray area a as studio. Kratom. It's in the same area as
1: Kratom. I had to restart
0: that thought because this ancient fucking computer is causing all kinds of problems. Um yeah. My th- disc my <laughs> your my disc is too slow dick, according too slow to the computer.
1: Disc. Yes, I slipped a disc. Um I just wanted to say something what welcome to all the monsters listening stateside around the world down the street across the table and right next door welcome all settle in buckle up and get ready for excitement comedy tragedy intrigue mystery and so much more where can they find us mike
0: <sighs> middle dot com, podbean spotify apple Podcasts, youtube and more come hang out with us get show updates meet other monsters Get funny memes, funny memes, the latest news and views on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now on the Inner Sanctum and Patreon.com slash Recovery in the Middle Ages. Please, please join our recovery support and monkster hangout den on the private Facebook group found on our public facing page under groups. We also have weekly RMA meetings uh, chaired by the lovely, the The lovely G Money Smooth. The lovely and talented. and the great and talented Aaron on alternating weeks or as they deem it necessary. And if you're having trouble finding it, please email Mike art middle ages, recovery.com for details. I always feel like I'm selling, um, What's that tape that you can use to seal up something? That, that, that flex the guy, Seal. Flex Seal. I always feel seal. like I'm
1: selling Flex Seal. We should have Billy Mays, if he wasn't dead, He's he could dead. come back and do it. He's dead. We should get a pitch man to come on and do some of these. Uh, I yeah. I think I've got it covered, though. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty pitched. Well, pitchy. you make me do it, I, and it's very uh, It's very not me. You did it so good last I week. feel like I'm selling used cars. But that's what the fun of it. I'm yeah. not this hammy. I, I just I like it. Great oh, like, reviews will be read on the air. We Have we gotten any recently? Not a new one. We have more ratings. You sure we haven't re- gotten any? Hey, did uh, you check? I'm checking right now. Okay, But
0: in the meanwhile, you could tell us your story by logging on to our Facebook page, scroll down, fill out the Your Story form, and you could have your story read on the air. Or you can call the RMA hotline, 516-888-6297. Leave us a message. Three minutes long. Tell the story. Say hello. Tell us how much the show means to you. And if it's good... We will most definitely play it on the
1: show. Yeah, I just want to say one, one note. I'm having trouble with our new website design. So the, the your uh, story uh-oh. form, it, it may, if you submit it on on uh, tell us your story form, it may be lost somewhere. Fuck it. just email it to me. Yeah, email Mycar it. car at middleagesrecovery.com. Yeah, so do that, because we love to read your stories. We'd love to hear from you. No new reviews? No. Uh, <clears throat> no. no. Nothing. Come on, guys.
0: How many of you listen to this show every week? 3,000? Four thousand, fifty thousand people. Don't tell everyone how many <laughs> listeners we have. And uh, and all, how many reviews do we have?
1: We have one hundred and fifteen ratings. No, 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 reviews. Oh, people have taken the time out to write a nice sentence about us. It's like I don't know twenty or something. Oh, yeah, it's not yeah. A lot.
0: guys, you disgust me. Disgust. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's not I'm sorry. punchy. So let's talk about sleep for a minute. Okay. Can we do that before yes. we get to... Because we have a listener email, but let's talk about sleep. Yeah, what about it? Um, sleep hygiene, big deal. Hygiene, I, I think, is that really the word we want to use? Yeah, sleep hygiene. Okay. You know what sleep hygiene is? Tell me. Well, I think I'm going to. Okay. Sleep hygiene is the preparations you make for heading off to the land of not. Mm. So it includes not staring at your phone in bed. That's why I know. can see
1: you've muted me. When I try and text you after a certain time, it's like... It's he, automatic. It says he's not listening. Do you <laughs> <laughs> leave him alone? I plug my phone in on the
0: <laughs> other side of the room. So even if it makes noises and things, I, I would have to get up and get it. And I and I don't do that. Yeah. Um, you should, you know, wind down know. before you go to bed, all this stuff, you know, because I used to have terrible, terrible insomnia. And I've spoken about it on the show. You know, my, my bout with, um. With sleep aid medication that
1: uh, was you you know, know, terrible. I've and, struggled there too. And
0: once you get into that loop of not sleeping, like I went once, I went like three weeks and I would not sleep. I would sleep like two hours, three hours a night for like a week. Yeah. And then like one night I would just pass out because I couldn't. Was that while you were active? No, it was, it was during a period where I actually had quit mm. drinking.
1: Um, your body was probably all fucked up and trying to you know I remember yeah, after but I, it was like three yeah. months
0: after I quit drinking
1: like wow. so I don't even understand but anyway
0: um, but like last week after that show that we went to and I got like two and a half hours sleep and then we did the Evan interview the next day um, I felt no different from a hangover I felt like I was hung over out the ass you know what I mean and it's, it's a very weird feeling to yeah. feel hungover and not having had anything to drink.
1: Yeah, I've had some days like that. Like, remember when we moved my store? Yeah. After that night, uh, Mike and I, he came with me with the U-Haul. It was after two days of moving and closing. And that next day... I like. I felt. Yeah, like a train it's like wreck. you're on drugs or something. Yeah. You know, it's
0: very weird. And and I think, I think when you get into that state, you become much more susceptible to suggestions. Mm-hmm. And like uh, like when you're in a hangover state, you you're very sort of raw. Your your nerves are raw. Your emotions are raw. So I, I think you have to be very careful during the hangover period not to you know immediately go running for the medicine cabinet to look yeah. for something to feel better, like some NyQuil or something that could potentially set you off on a spiral of uh, something.
1: Yeah, you know? I've been pretty good with that. I mean, I used to be very bad because of my sleep cycle is just not good. I've never, and, and partially when I was talking, uh, I think to David on, on the Inner Sanctum about sleep, you know, I always, this is one of the things that I would self-medicate. Mm-hmm, you so know, you- I, I couldn't sleep, so I'd be like, you know, I'd have a drink and maybe I would think it helped me sleep Mm -hmm. and then I would think I needed it. Um, or if I was popping Xanax or something, or if, you know, I would get used to that or even NyQuil or, you know, there was a time where I was taking Tylenol PM, uh, every single night, but a lot of it, like, you know, you build up a tolerance like anything else. And if you could just develop healthy sleep habits, um, you know, it would be, it would go such a long way because your next day you feel energized, mm-hmm. you're not drinking, and that's the other thing coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm overusing caffeine lately. Are you? Yeah, are you?
0: Do you drink any coffee after noon?
1: Yes, really? I didn't used to until this job, mm. um, because I have to be on all day, I there's no like letdown period, uh, so I have to be on it, yeah, and so and then I rely, you know, but maybe if I taught myself how to work with my natural body, you know, situation instead of, you know, introducing caffeine and stuff. Maybe I, I could learn to keep up with it without it, but well, I don't I think,
0: know. I think part of it is just the nature of work in America. You know, we, yeah. we hustle, we feel like we have to hustle because we have this weird Protestant work ethic like Protestant. Yeah. Well that's, you ever read Max Weber's Protestant work ethic in the theory of uh, capitalism? No, it's a good book. You should read Sounds it. It basically says that the reason that we have such this, this, Desire, like even as even as we've made great strides in um, in technology, and and which really we should be working like fifteen hours a week, because we have. All I've heard same. of this, but we yeah. don't. In fact, the number of hours that Americans work has actually gone up significantly, even since the advent of the personal computer and all this thing. And nobody can really explain it because usually when you go to work, most people will go to work and they're still only doing like 15 to 20 hours of work a week, but they have to be there because we have this idea in our head that if we're not being productive, if we're not working, then we have less value as human beings, which I disagree, but I do too.
1: And I'm struggling with this a bit in hiring for my new, uh, for my company now, uh, getting people who got used to like they working from home, they supposedly get what they're supposed to do done in the time that they're working on. It could be two or three hours. Right. And then they do whatever else. And if something comes up, they get the email, they can go back to the computer. And, yeah. and that, but right now, like I need all hands on deck at my company. Cause we're in like crisis mode. I'm trying to turn the ship around. Mm. I'm on top of everything all at once. I need the people working for me to be, there so i can be like hey what happened to this and i'm not you know what i mean like i need that really
0: reflective of like the the modern sensibility of how people want to work in the
1: post-pandemic world no but you know what i mean like it doesn't matter what they want this is what we need to like keep the company going you know it's like there won't be a salary for anybody if you know this doesn't get turned around so it's like you know it can't be like this forever i get that but like right now it's you know i need everybody on board and mm. so that's frustrating, but
0: where are you, you risk losing people? Cause you know, people yeah. will find well automatically now gravitate towards opportunity. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, it's a seller's market with labor.
1: That's very true. And like, I'm not making everybody come back to the office. Like for example, we have a very important employee who's handling peer reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike does this business. Um, and uh, she's coming back from maternity leave. She's always been, uh, work from home. Right. She's not coming back to the office, right. but she's right. been doing this for ten years. They know that she's a known quantity. Yeah, yeah. I and feel if you like, have
0: some longevity in the position, then right. you can trust the work ethic. But I guess my my point is like the whole idea of a work ethic in in, in this time frame in human history just seems a little strange. I've been reading yeah. Evan's book still. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All this stuff it. is coming coming around.
1: As uh, plus, plus as I
0: you know we I got my date to go back to work you know and
1: right. Since, uh, when is that May second. So what does that look like? Like paint a picture for the mongsters. Like day one, Mike's back to work. Tell me your day. Mike gets up. He gets what in the time? car.
0: He drives to, oh, what time do I get up? Probably yeah.
1: 4.30. You wake up at 4.30. Right. Then what? I, if, I, if I can, I'm going to go for a run before I leave for work. Do you do an hour run?
0: Yeah. So if I'm 4.45, I'm out the door. Right. I run, I'd run probably close to an hour. So 540, 5.45, I get in the shower 15 minutes. By 6.15, I'm out the door. I'm driving to New Jersey. Ugh. Uh I get there by 7:30, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I work until like 3:30. Then I get in the car and it takes me 2 hours to drive home.
1: They want you there just to work till 3:30? 7:30 to
0: 3:30. Yeah. Huh. 8 9 10 11 12 1 2. That's 8 hours.
1: So what ha- I mean cuz that's still I typically work a- through my lunch. Right. Yeah, I have not eaten lunch in a couple right. of months. Um wow, okay. So but it's being in the car that long. That's just draining. It's awful. You know. It's awful. And it Just sucks the your, life right out of you. Do they cover your gas?
0: No. Oh, yeah. So, but the good news is, it looks like it's only going to be two days a week, oh. for the time being. Okay, we'll see. So, so that, easing, I can do that.
1: They're yes. easing you back in. Yeah.
0: I am worried though. Uh, this thing, like uh, this thing coming up. I know I'm kind of off script here, but uh, I've been thinking a lot about this um, this work conference I'm going to on Sunday mm. in Savannah. So,
1: you're flying to Savannah, what, Friday? Sunday. You're flying Sunday, when and the work conference... You Starts
0: go- as a reception on Sunday night. Wow. And then it's Monday, Tuesday, and then I fly home on Wednesday. Oh, man. But, like, I'm already, like, on tender hooks, if I could use that expression. Okay. About um, the volume of boozing that's going to be at this event. Like, yeah. I'm not necessarily worried that I'm going to be tempted to drink. I just... I just don't want to spend that much time around people who are drinking. It's just, so like there's a reception on Sunday night and okay, fine. They usually have good food at that. So, and it's not a a big one because the conference starts the next morning. So everybody can't really be in too bad a state of disrepair. Right. Right. Monday, there's another big party after the day's
1: uh, conference. Do you have, let me just ask you this. I have to. Like, but the work part of it definitely you have to go to, which is conferences. I have to go to the, the, my business is so much networking.
0: Yeah. So that's a big part of it. And then I find out on Tuesday, I have to take a bunch of people out to dinner. Like Like on the corporate card. Right, exactly. So I have my little group, I have my reservation, I'm going to go do that. Um, since I'm the one who's in control of buying the booze at the table, I'm not really worried about that either. But right. they like then they just emailed like out of the blue that they slotted in another happy hour on Tuesday in between when the conference ends and when we take people out to dinner. I'm like, how many opportunities for drinking are you going to put in front of people in three days? You know, it's I, just it's so annoying to me that I have to sit through that because and I used to love this shit. I used to yeah. really look forward Some to people, yeah. boozing it up at these con- and talking to people. I mean, I know I've known these people for 13 years. You know but now i'm just i'm just dreading the whole thing
1: um do they know you don't drink yet no because there's been, nobody knows my advice would be um the second it comes up and someone's right. like do you want to you just say all you say is ah, i don't drink yeah period
0: i say i quit during the, at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic and i felt so good i never went You'd back like, and i'm just keep gonna run with that i quit but what can i get for you to drink yeah you know exactly I'm just not worried. I just, I'm not looking forward to it. I used to look forward to these things and now I'm just
1: sort of dreading them. In a way, it puts you in a position of power because yes, power. you're getting them a little sauced <laughs> and you're kind of controlling the right. the narrative. That's great.
0: I like, I like that. As a yeah. control freak, I enjoy controlling the narrative.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> and so you're nervous about this. You don't want to do it. I'm not
0: nervous about it. I'm just, I would rather be, I would rather not go. Yeah. And that's not an option, you know.
1: Yeah. It's like slowly as pandemic is, you know, waning. I know Trump said it would magically go away in two weeks, but it's two years. He's just off by a decimal you, point. You know, but it does seem to be dissipating. And so there's a lot of this anxiety. A lot of people are going through this as work is going back and... You know all of the uh, daily grind things that we used to loathe that vanished are are returning, yeah. and you know how do we adjust? And I'm not the same person I was two years ago. No, you're so way the, handsomer. I, I thank you. Or more handsome. Age becomes
0: me. That's right. But um, but like having to plug new, having to plug Mark 2.0 into into a 1.0 mainframe is mm. just causing uh, error messages,
1: square peg <laughs> round hole, inside or? my brain. You yeah. Know. That's interesting. It's interesting. You bring up a, a work thing. Um, so m- for my company, the owner, um, he's now, like I've said, is like way too aware. In fact, he knows about my podcast because I have to say oh. not, he doesn't listen to it or anything, but you know, since it's a constant co- uh, communication when I'm going this way, I'm like, I'm going into the studio. I won't be available till eight 30. Right. And he knows it's about recovery and he knows, Pretty much my story, mm-hmm. which is disconcerting, and um, but also very comforting because he's very accepting and it says yes. a lot about him. So he wants to, because we got through, like I showed up and we got through this really difficult time and the company is turned around and is in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. We have new employees now that I hired and everybody is kind of like, it's a really positive space right now. And he wants to take us all out to dinner, oh. um, you know, on April 5th. And um, when we were discussing the party uh, or the dinner, he he came out and said, I think we should have no alcohol out of respect for Nat. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It's interesting. I don't know how I would feel about that if I were you. Well, I'm actually okay with it. Yeah, I, I said, well, because his he has ulterior motives. He, he also said right. very quickly, it'll be much cheaper. Yes. He was quick to say that. Not only that, it, it stomps any... Possible drunk, yes.
0: you know, employees. It's always it's a great it's a great move. But, but the, I mean, laying it on you though
1: is a little much. Yeah, I I know? thought it was disingenuous. But uh, you know, it's a, it's a weird scenario. But if if I can sort of you know, when I was thinking about this, in a lot of ways, I'm showing him that a person in long term recovery. Can do this job mm-hmm. that he can count on because, at first, when he heard about it, he was a little like, well, What's that like? You know, where are you at? You know, right. do I have to worry about you? Mm-hmm. And I just had it and I said, No, it's okay. I want you to ask me this. It's fine. I'm good. I don't suffer on a daily basis, it's in remission, right? You know, so I feel like I'm kind of representing all of us mm-hmm. to a, a normie, so to speak, that we can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, people in long term recovery are dependable. You know can, can can do the job, so I feel like I'm representing our our people here That's great, changing the paradigm change the paradigm that's um, what we need to
0: do the uh, my, my company actually a couple of years ago at the, at our own Christmas parties and everything used to be very boozy affairs they they cut that off completely. Yeah, no it, booze at the company events. This is where I'm going to is not a company event though it's an
1: industry event, so like I think different. it's a trend that's going to continue pretty soon're going to be smoking marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> just um, bong rips do you it. want to read this listener email yes i do so we got this listener email and um i think mike wants to read it or would you like me i don't care okay hi i just i, mean, I care about the email i just but don't, you care, don't care, care about who, who reads it. it the listener says i just got done listening to your latest episode and i'd like to chime in about my experience with cannabis in recovery Mm. Um, smoke weed I'm I'm looking for it (laughs) I love cannabis always have I think I benefited by the deep introspection it allowed and loved how much I enjoyed watching movies listening to music going for walks in nature etc while high I used to ex- exercise while high, which was great. Smoke every day. day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Imagine getting a runner's high, actually high. I think I finally met my HP higher power while swimming laps in a pool on an edible. Can- <laughs> <laughs> Cannabis was fantastic. It seemed to give all of my senses and my life an extra layer of depth. Mm. Red flag. I took my last drink of alcohol on... Oh, this is like what British? It's like 1231 because they put the, the day first. Yes. 1231, 2019. Smoking weed helped me through the initial stages of withdrawal. Problem is, it helped too much. I became a pothead. Almost two years later in December 2021, I realized that I was using weed just like I had used alcohol. My addict mind simply replaced beer and whiskey with joints and edibles. I would try to cut down... Or quit and fail. I would keep smoking, although I knew it was affecting my life negatively. Family and friends would, would comment on my use. My supply running low would give me anxiety. Felt I needed it for social occasions and would cancel or not do things that were important because I was high. You name it, I had all the signs of addiction. On one one Can't get that date wrong. <laughs> no, I decided to quit cold turkey. Uh, I had no idea that withdrawal would make... The whole month of January, a kind of hell. I had severe sleep disruptions caused by night sweats, mood swings, were none like I had ever experienced. Cravings were strong. There is a sub on Reddit dedicated to quitting weed called Leaves. There you will find a huge community of people talking about how addictive cannabis is and how hard it is to quit. Mm. Even though I quit drinking over two years ago, after quitting weed, now on day 72, I can finally now say I'm sober and in true recovery. I thought life would be boring without it, but just like recovery from alcohol, I found myself now in a pink cloud phase in rediscovering my life, uh, my love for a life weed-free. If we alcoholics could take just the occasional drink, we wouldn't be alcoholics. I think I could recommend the occasional joint to someone who doesn't have a past of substance abuse, but to those of us who have, weed is a slippery slope. Yes. Anita T. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Mm. Um, I rang the bell for a couple of reasons one because it seemed I've okay I've spoken to a bunch of people recently who have been who are occasional cannabis users but identify as being in recovery Mm. and they tend to fall into two camps the first camp something like what I did I had a bunch of weed around and if I needed it I knew it was there, and I could smoke it, and I didn't smoke it, but I know people that did, right, Mm. that do. That is not this. This listener seems to have just swapped out the alcohol for the weed, right? Right. There's no, I need a joint to go to sleep at night. There's no, you know, this, you know, a joint a week or whatever if I'm in an especially stressful situation. This is just, seems like a straight swap of one addiction for another.
1: Yeah, I agree, and um, it's funny that this email came up because um, uh, a friend of a friend who um, I helped get into rehab a little while ago. I talked about him. He's he's doing great after rehab, and he's doing his AA meetings. He has a sponsor. He's really trying, but he's you know still relapsing. He's slipping. He like has one shot every morning type of thing. It's like a weird. Mm. He's trying to, and uh, and so his partner. Um, who smokes uh, cannabis is kind of like, why don't you just smoke weed instead of drinking? Because you know, trying to get him like yeah you know, off of it, but it's such a tricky thing. I actually recommended he look at High Sobriety, which is um, Joe Schrank's uh, cannabis uh, mm. recovery program. Okay, and I don't know, like, is that the thing to do? I mean, he's tried Naltrexone. It didn't seem to take, or maybe, you know, I don't know. But I don't know. I feel like it's a tool. It's like anything else. You, someone gives you a knife, you can cut a cake with it or stab someone to death. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's very um, true. So I, I, it's I'm It's a tool. Still, Weed is a tool. Well, yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm so on the fence. Would I take it? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not planning on it and don't want to, I but...
0: Just don't see the need
1: right yeah. now,
0: right? But as a transition between... Um, between problem drinking and something that you look at down the
1: road that looks like abstinence, I would say have at it. I think you need a program, though. I feel like if someone just says to themselves, "I'm going to stop drinking and just smoke weed instead," and that's mm, all, right? That's an easy way to just get addicted to marijuana or cannabis, depending on Get uh, addicted. I mean, yeah, you can. You can.
0: I absolutely believe you can get addicted to cannabis. I used to pop into that subreddit leaves every once in a while because I was, you know, starting to towards the end of my drinking career, you know, and I, when I started smoking pot again, you know, I was buying it in California or when I was in Massachusetts on business trips, like I was starting to wonder like, you know, could I, could I get addicted to this? You know, if I, if I keep, because for me it was like a seesaw. Like I, I was hoping that the, the the alcohol use would go down and the weed use would go up. But what ended up yeah. happening is they just both went up, right?
1: Yeah, that's um, the danger.
0: But uh, so I, I've been in that subreddit and to read some of the stories that people have in there, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, sleeplessness, sweats, shakes. I mean, it certainly seems like a physical like physical addiction to me. Yeah. Uh, even though there is no science behind
1: that, but, right? I mean, one thing I've read about with, um, cannabis addiction, um, when you don't think it is, it's a lot of people will say they smoke, uh, cannabis to, um, help with their anxiety, Right. but what they're really doing is treating their withdrawal to the last time they oh, smoke yeah, because yeah. you do get an anxiety backlash. And so it gets to be this cycle where you're smoking, for your initial anxiety, but it's just making it worse. Well, it's and like just, drinking, right? Yeah. For the same... I mean, it's a strong drug, guys. If you use it like a medication, if that's possible, like, you know, because it is prescribed for certain things, whether you believe in that or not. You know, so if you're able to just, like, I have insomnia, I take half an edible every night, something like that, and and that's it, mm. great. You know, just buyer beware.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you know, this listener it didn't work out so well right Right,
1: but we're you know thank you for writing and it sounds like you're back on track and you know um write to us on the uh uh, on the private facebook group and we'd love to hear from you and don't worry
0: if the pink cloud goes
1: away it'll come back in some other form (laughs) (laughs) yes pink clouds go they come they go we could do a show on that we We have a very special edition of Monsters speak coming up yes we do
0: what
1: did they been up to? Let's take a peek. The segment we call "Monster Speak. Speak, 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 So, uh, this week on Monster Speak, 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 um, we did a special on our Inner Sanctum Discord chat. Um, We've been gathering, <laughs> gathering uh, comments for hours. Hours, <laughs> literally hours, <laughs> yeah. the show kind of snuck up on us this week, guys. Yeah. Um, but... Thanks to you, we've got some content. Uh (laughs) In any case, uh, so on the Inner Sanctum, which you can join at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages and jump on board. And what I posted was this week, uh, the topic is compare and despair. How keeping up with the Joneses or the Kardashians can cause depression, anxiety, and relapse. Discuss. Also, how does obsessing over your peers' social media make us feel worse? Um, and so that, that was the topic I was going with. Um, Meg P was the first to uh, respond. She says, sometimes I'll start to envy people on social media based on what they post. Nowadays, I also try to realize that if I'm envying something, it is a sign that I want some aspect of what I'm seeing. When I was a kid, things were out of my reach. I try to remember that now that I'm an adult, I can listen to that desire and try to make some of those things happen. It is kind of using, uh, it is kind of using that IFS perspective we talked about on the inner sanctum last week. Maybe Mike, you can clarify that. And I'm also positive that um, that what people post on social media is only the highlights. I don't post saying I'm depressed or going through a hard time on social media, unless it's the inner sanctum. Yeah, absolutely. So what is that uh, the IFS thing? I, I saw some. It's, uh, it. uh, it's a therapy. It's like a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: you put me on the spot. It's like a integrated family something. It was, it's like a treatment thing. It's a, it's a therapy modality that um, allows you that posits that there is addiction is a um, sort of a helpful deity or a ghost or demon that protects you your inner child from being, Oh, is uh, this
1: what, um, Evan was talking? Sort
0: about? of. Yeah. Except Evans was, you, you had to defeat the demon, but in IFS, you make friends with it. Um, if I'm, and I'm totally butchering that.
1: Yeah. I was trying to find a, um, a link, A uh, you know, I found this website, IFS therapy online. Um, and, um, I'm looking for what is, it sounds like, you know, it goes back to that inner addict treatment thing that I always talk about. Um And, uh, yeah, very good. So, um, learn more on the inner sanctum. Um, Gen D says... It's actually in- internal family systems. Internal family systems. Yeah. So, it's just a modality of, of recovery. It's basically the, you know, that the mind... Um, we could do a show on it. We could.
0: Write it down. But the mind is like split up into a bunch of different parts. And the inner parts each contain valuable qualities. And our core self knows how to heal itself, allowing us to be, become more integrated and whole. So... There you go. Mm. There's actually a guy who wrote a book uh, really? that was referenced on the um, the Inner Sanctum Discord, and I'm going to try and get him on the show, because <laughs> I think I think we should do a show on IFS, because it came up a couple of times today. That friend of mine that I mentioned had reached out to me earlier today has been in IFS therapy for a couple of years. No kidding. Yeah, and I just thought that it just keeps popping up everywhere, so that karmically that means we need to talk about it
1: i think think. and uh, we used to do more of that we covered a lot of different modalities early on and i think uh we should bring one of those back um jen d says uh, giving this some thought so much to say (laughs) i think she gets back to it she does but i was Uh, gonna melissa says that uh,
0: today at 9.01 a.m i got off social media for this very reason deleted my real facebook tiktok everything the only thing i kept was my rma facebook uh, the trigger for me was seeing my mother-in-law post about how blessed she is for her healthy grandchildren. One of them was going through a significant eating disorder. That's when I'm, I said I'm done. This is fake. Studies uh, have shown that social media not only has a correlation with depression and anxiety but actually causes it. No thanks. I'm out. Although I do reactivate my Facebook sometimes to make sure nobody died. Oh. Um,
1: yes. Morbid? Y- yeah.
0: I- I've gone through that wanting to delete social media also. And I- I've also noticed that when I'm on it, I am less, um, I'm much more anxious and irritable and mm. all that kind of stuff. And and sometimes I just find myself filling time with it. Yeah. Just like if I have nothing to do, out comes the phone and, and I head right to the Facebook feed. And, you know, and I, and then, you know, during the uh, last election and around there, I, and of course with the stuff with COVID and the masks and everything, you know, uh, it got so toxic. I would go on the Facebook, the local parent groups, and I would, you know, get into these arguments with people. And then one day I sat there and I said, is this really, is this really honoring what I want to do with my time? Like, is this honoring me as a human being to like engage with people that I don't really know? All it's doing is putting all this negative energy out into the world and receiving it back. Yeah, And to what end? No one's going to change their mind because of some, like if I make a particularly insightful point on Facebook, the person I'm arguing with is not going to be like, gee, he's, he's right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to change my thinking, you know, it just doesn't. So, so what is the point? It's just, it's intellectual. It's quasi intellectual masturbation is what it is. It's It's
1: true. I like, I have another view. I, of course, me being the perpetual optimist. Okay. Um, the thing I used social media for, the thing I miss about it because I just simply haven't had the time I used to, but I rush back to to Facebook because one of the things I did to fill my time was, for one thing, we had the RMA you know Facebook group, and I loved just supporting. I love chopping to, it up. I love chopping it up, but uh, I also go on other um, addiction related um, groups, but I like to be the guy that says great job. Yes, uh, yes. you know giving someone a little heart. Like I, I try and put the love out there, um, but it, it is hard not to like look at your, you know, what everyone else is doing and, you know, hunt down people you used to buy drugs from and things like that.
0: Well, it's, I mean, it's easy to get, to get drawn into the drama, but like any other technological tool that's out there, uh, are- are you? I'm, I'm just trying. Are you not vaping to, and then blowing the smoke into your shirt? I'm trying not to make a, a cloud. Do you want me to get you a, uh, a, a cardboard tube? It's called can, a spoof. Is that what it is? Yeah. We can we can stuff a dryer <laughs> sheet in the end. I'm <laughs> trying to be respectful of. I'm trying to honor your space. You here. feel free to, to vape. I mean, yeah. Dimitri vaped in his room for four years. It's fine. <laughs> um, but so like. There is a good use for social media, of course. Like, I mean, Discord is technically social media, but it's like a silo. You know, it's private. Yeah. Um But, you know, on balance, is is it a good thing, or is it not a good thing?
1: Maybe it's just a thing. Uh, uh-huh.
0: There is no good or bad. Thinking uh-huh. makes it so. I don't know if I. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, you're a either. Buddhist.
1: You're supposed to agree with that. I I don't know. Mm. I think,
0: I think. You have to look at the development of social media alongside the development of human consciousness, Ooh. and you have to say, "How is Facebook like the way humans communicated twenty thousand years ago when we were, you know, just starting to organize ourselves in groups uh, around agriculture and so on?" You know, because mm. humans make we create these systems, but the systems, in theory, are reflective of our internal workings, right? Yeah. So we created Facebook for a reason. And the things that are going on on Facebook right now, like like cancel culture, like shunning people who, who, who don't um, uh, acquiesce to a certain uh, standard or set of standards or beliefs, like is there a mirror of that in our past, for example? Like, and, and <clears throat> So gathering together in groups as human beings, mm. the power to shun and to expel someone was one of the most severe punishments that you could impose on somebody because if you didn't have the security of the group and you were thrown out of the group, you would, you would just die. Mm. Now we have created this technology that allows many multiple groups of people to focus all of their ire on one person or another person and effectively shun them and excise them from the group. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you can block, you know, anytime, you know, someone's out of line, they get blocked. I'm thinking more like you can you publicly shame or okay. humiliate someone, you know, and then they are
0: effectively ostracized, like they may lose their ability to make a living. And and this is sort of a parallel in human culture from when we were able to kick somebody out of the collective. Uh, not to get old Borg like but you know kick somebody out of the group and and have them banished, for example mm-hmm. so it's a it's a big power that we have in social media to do that to people, mm. and we just seem to be doing it willy nilly to people like any like i I see it in the local facebook groups in the in the parent groups, like you know if someone is not doesn't agree with the with the prevailing beliefs, everybody jumps on them and like Calls yeah. them out and it's 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 horrible. So I, I get your optimism and I and I see how this could be used as a tool for good. Well, I feel I just like feel we like do. it's just
1: not. Don't you feel like we, we do? We do right? because we are enlightened sages. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. And I'm starting to realize how much I am not missing by not engaged because I used to be on the parents page. It was part of my business. You know, my right in the sports right. store. But and, uh, I, but
0: as a community me- uh, leader, and I would say you were a
1: community leader. A community were
0: <laughs> well, formally. I mean, when you when you had yeah. your store in town, you're obviously pl- more plugged into right. the you know the immediate downtown community, and, and people respect. I mean, they still respect you, but they, they respected respect you. They respected you at, because of you yeah. know the position you held in there. So so you could have you know influenced people, but. You also didn't want to piss anybody off because you right. want these people to come into your store. So, is do you did you ever feel like you were tempering the way you would relate rel- that, relate to people on social media because you were afraid of saying the wrong thing?
1: A hundred percent. Right. I, I never. I was always being diplomatic, even more than usual. So, yeah. so is that like is that what kind of communication is that? Is that like real communication? I would call it um not. Re- <laughs> I would call it you know kind of just salesmanship. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, is that valuable to anyone out there? Or am I just trying to get people to shop at my store? You know, well, I don't know. And, and, and I guess,
0: I guess that's kind of my point. Like, that there are large swaths of social media where, and and it's like, uh, it's like Melissa said, like, people aren't really saying what's in their hearts. uh, Or, you know, nine times out of 10, they're just creating this, um, you know, whitewashed, beautiful vision of the life they lead. I mean, nobody, nobody, post pictures themselves when they just roll out of bed in the morning and they, or the, you know, when the kids
1: throw applesauce on your shirt. And I mean, like that's, nobody puts that up. And that's important to remember because, you know, sometimes my wife will, um, you know, cause she, she does quite a bit of uh, social media ing and, um, you know, she'd be scrolling through and then she'd be like, Oh, look at what they did. They went on this vacation and, right, right. you know, Oh, look, you know, they, they did this or they did that. And, um, you know it is fake it's not and it's important to remember that what we see on facebook is not reality um even i i mean i'm guilty of that i only post nice pictures of my kids when they're smiling even though minutes after the picture is taken it's bedlam and yes you know my son is screaming cursing and you know so uh just this weird facsimile
0: of reality that that doesn't actually exist. So to get all worked up over it, over what goes on there and and to be envious of other people. Yeah. Like you're being envious of something that doesn't actually exist. It's like being envious of watching like Star a Wars. fictional show on Netflix like or something.
1: he has the force, why don't I have yeah, the force? Exactly. I want to be a
0: fucking Jedi. Right. You know, um I eight, don't know. So sorry,
1: I just went off on a total rant, but that's what I'm hoping for. Um <laughs> the next uh post on the Inner Sanctum is from what I'm calling headmaster of the Inner Sanctum, Alan B., <laughs> uh, the wizened one. <laughs> he says, cause, and you'll see what I mean. He's, he's yeah, wizened. Yes. He's the wise sage. He says, never keep up with the Joneses. Drag them down to your level. It's cheaper. And he quoted uh, Quentin Crisp. So thank you. I like that. Alan B., the wizened one. Um, Rob, Isn't it, is it wizened? No, I think it's wizened. Is it? I mean, I've been pronouncing this wrong all these years. I don't know. Can somebody out there write to us at Mike dot com and tell <laughs> us, is it wizened or is it wizened? Uh, uh, Rob from the UK says, all I'll say is, is that if I'm in the zone of negative self-talk, social media makes it much worse. That's sort of like- That's when you're exactly taking, what I was saying. Right. If you're taking acid and you're in a bad mood already, it's a bad trip. Exactly. That's lead. Right. Uh, uh, you want who? to read Jen D's? She came back. Jen and- D
0: has thought about it and then said, apparently sometimes it's true that with age comes wisdom. I used to feel very anxious and self-conscious attending social and or business functions. There was definitely an atmosphere of keeping up with the Joneses. I'm going to stop there for a second and say, that's another place that's completely unreal. When you're, when you're hanging out at these business events and everybody's talking about their, their lives, most of it is f- <laughs> bullshit. <Yeah. laughs> um, is there any reality... Does reality exist or is it just, we create, we spin different webs of reality depending on where we are and what place. Anyway, uh, for some stupid reason, I thought drinking before going into these situations would make it easier. Now I realize that everyone feels that way sometimes. At this point in my life, I don't care what others think of me and I don't feel like I have to pretend in order for someone to like me. Yes. But it took me until I was like 50 years old before I realized that. Uh, What you see is what you get. Take it or leave it. As far as social media, I've learned that you're not seeing the full picture, only what people want others to see. Again, take what you like and ignore the rest. I just snooze people that get on my nerves. Yes, I, I have snoozed people as well that have gotten on my nerves. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're creating so many different realities, you know, one set of reality for social media, uh, another that you live
1: in your house, and another for your work people, like, isn't it easy to get lost yeah and I used to do that a lot more in my life, and I feel like as I've gotten further in my recovery and I've matured mm-hmm. um and I'm more confident with who I am, I've really narrowed the scope of my personality output you know
0: integration right you're integrating all that stuff and you're becoming like uh what you see is what you get right right yeah, because I'm
1: confident um it It's hard though. Self actualization is what that's called, I think. I am struggling a little bit. Like I put on my, um, you know, uh, my work uh, personality. And when I come home, sometimes it's hard for me to soften up and and not be Mr. Director to my family. Yes. And be humbled and remember that I've got to do the dishes. Mm -hmm. I've got to, you know, wipe my son's ass. I've got to change the cat box. (laughs) Um, All of that. Wipe the son, wipe your cat's ass? Wipe my cat's ass. (laughs)
0: Uh, That's kind of what, it's kind of like what some of this trepidation that I'm feeling about going to this thing on the weekend is because um, I feel like I'm way more integrated than I used to be. Like, Mm. and like, I don't, I don't like the idea of taking on roles that I
1: don't feel comfortable playing. Right. But you're confident on who Mike is today Yeah, and you're going to put it out there and fuck them if they can't take it, but they will, they'll like it. (laughs) They'll, they'll like who you are just like everybody does out there.
0: As more time goes by, Recovery, like I feel much more comfortable with who I am as a person. Yeah, I did not feel that way in the beginning.
1: Me too. Uh, it was a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, right. I,
0: I, I wasn't. I didn't even know who I was. Right. And, yeah. And now I feel like I've got a, I've got a spine. I've, I've got a clear idea of what I want and
1: who I want to be. It's really fucking amazing. And it's not just because <laughs> you stopped drinking, right? No, that was only that the was first the first part. So out there, if you feel like. Man, if I could just stop drinking all of this, you know, will come to me. Really, that's just step Um, one—not (laughs) twelve steps, but the first thing we do. And then it's all that other work, all the discussions, all of the meditating, the running, the changing your life, doing things differently, fixing your relationships, and all that.
0: It really is. It really is amazing. Like the first every year, something changes. You know. Like it gets deeper. Yeah. You can and become the, more self actualized. The further, you, the further you
1: get, the less likely we are to throw that away. I, and I rarely stop to
0: think about it in any depth, but it's been on my mind lately that the reason that I've been experiencing so much like discordant feelings about this upcoming thing is because I would assume a certain personality at these things.
1: You're afraid to be dragged back into the I don't old. Wanna,
0: I, that, I don't think that can happen.
1: Yeah. I don't. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you won't. And you're going to feel great. You're going to get there. You're going to be Mike 2.0. Yeah. Uh, Mike 2.0. it going to be great. You're going right. to do better than you ever did. Anyway, uh, David now. A.K.A. David. David say? <clears throat> he says, uh, I've realized over the years that trying to keep up with the Joneses can carry a lot of pressure. Self-acceptance, for the most part, comes with age. Mm. So I try my best to focus on myself. A lot of, or the majority of my drinking was to help alleviate the anxiety of wanting to be accepted from my family and friends, coworkers, etc. Yeah. I've also come to realize that what you see in social media isn't always what is true. And that if I get frustrated and have some kind of feelings over the grass being greener on the other side of the fence, I stop and tell myself, well, maybe you should start watering your own grass. Mm. Mm. Watering your own grass. You, before you point out... The speck in your brother's eye. Remove the remove plank. Remove that big plank from, from your, your own. own. Uh-huh. Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Liz right? B. That was Jesus. Yeah, it was Jesus. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, Liz B, the queen of <laughs> the monsters. I'm calling her the queen. Did of you ever the find people. out what happened to her mug? Yeah, she uh accidentally selected um do not mail me benefits in what? her membership. Yeah, it was just she must have just said, Don't mail me anything. Didn't realize. Ah. Uh. <laughs> That monsters get a beautiful mug. Did we fix that? Uh, she's got to do it from her end, so I sent it to her, and she's okay. going to. All right. So, sorry, Liz. We we tried to troubleshoot that. Well, Nat did anyway. So Queen Liz says <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Says, hey, that's good. It works. Hi guys. Uh, I never used Facebook unless it was to sell a grill or something. <laughs> and the uh, Facebook
0: Marketplace is just crazy.
1: When I got into RMA, I started using it only for that. I guess it's age. I don't long for things anymore, but I do have a really nice lifestyle, I guess. What I envy is people sharing life together with a mm-hmm. partner, you know. Thank yeah. you, Liz. And and that's another thing, um, you know, like my sister-in-law, for example. She's single. She's 47, I think, never married. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's coming at, up a lot in get-togethers with her that... You know, she, and she's probably, she's on Facebook, she sees all people her age with children and, yeah. you know, and instead of looking at how, you know, how much she's progressed in her own life and the good things that are going on, it's spending time looking at what you don't have, the road not traveled mm. and that's unhealthy, you know, and really she's got a, a, a good life from, and it could be very grateful for it. So that can really affect us. And, you know,
0: it seems though that everybody realizes that what they're looking at on social media is fiction. And yet, why are we still so <laughs> so wrapped up in it? I'm getting water. Yeah. Um, Did Noah hand in his project today? We've been working on projects.
1: Yeah, so some of you guys have seen, uh, you know, we've got a sixth grade social studies project uh, for the kids. And um, Mike Mike sent me a picture of what he was doing with his son. And it looks like you know NBC Rainbow Studios. <laughs> He's got a full costume. They built this beautiful model of of the uh, the the pyramids, and uh, it just basically created fear and anxiety in my wife's in mine. Like we were like, oh my god, like. What's ben? Look what Ben's doing. Your, your wife texted Erin like two seconds after yeah. I sent that photo. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so we immediately got to work on Noah's because we realized that, you know, maybe we weren't taking this seriously enough. So what was the subject of Ben's project? The pyramids. Not uh, just the ancient, just how they were built and all that kind of thing. Well, my son being my son. Right. Chose ancient aliens. Yeah. Yes, and so yes. the... <laughs> the alien question on uh, ancient uh, civilization so his um he did put a pyramid which was not as beautiful as yours and uh, see i'm do- i'm doing the compare and despair you see and a couple of other things and then you know we put up a green screen mm. and he had to film himself um presenting it but where noah made up for his lack of preparation is he's really good at video editing yeah And uh, and so he did this very nice presentation. It's a much smaller production as far as like what he built, and uh, he was able to fly on a really cool background. (laughs) You know, he's he's talking about you know he's just and of course he's not reading a script because that's Noah would never do that. Mm -hmm. Anytime I've told him, I'm like, "Will you do an outline for the show?" You can. He goes, "No, no, no. I'm just going to run with it." I'm like, "All right." So he did a pretty good job. And then as he's talking about different things, he made it pop up like he's a newscaster oh, that's next great. to him. I got to show you this video. Yeah.
0: I assume he uploaded it to Flipgrid. To, yeah. on so Flipgrid. I'll take a look at it.
1: But like, I didn't do anything with the video editing. He literally just took it, did it on his phone mm. and uploaded it himself. He's like, done. I'm like, how good could this be? And I'm like, <laughs> holy crap. And he said it went really well. Um, but this is part of Noah's problem is he doesn't prepare enough for things and then he does a great job. Well, you know? that's not a problem. But that's not <laughs> going to last. Well, I don't know. Some people wing it their whole lives, you yeah. know. Well, look where that got me, you know. I don't know. You're doing okay. Yeah, we'll um,
0: yeah. it was ridiculous. I mean, we we went a little over the top with it, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had a back. I had the Egyptian background. I dressed him up like King Tut. It's amazing. <laughs> he it was a beautiful costume. But he was totally into it. He was such a ham. You know, he he puts the costume on. He was like, uh, "Where's my makeup? Of uh, peasant, bring me a drink." You know, he was all he was all into that into the whole thing. We want to get him into acting because I think that's a uh,
1: yes. Really, he's got too. a calling
0: for that. We should know?
1: put him together in an acting class or something at yeah. right? school theater. Yeah, I've seen a couple of these acting schools, but you know, like Noah does one day a week. At this coding thing, uh-huh. maybe we can get them both, and we can excuse me. Yeah, it. I mean, I think that's a good idea. Um, I just want him to be interested in something. You know, he's just not a sports kid, and right, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the. But one of the other things he does is uh, trumpet. So he's following in the family footsteps. I played the trumpet. My father plays the trumpet. My aunt plays the trumpet. My uncle played the trumpet. My nephews played the trumpet. We're a trumpet family, and so um, I was really hoping that. You know, I could sort of finesse getting him to play the trumpet and not look like I cared, so mm. he would care. Right, and he—he uh, he is. He—he he likes it. It's one of these things where I don't have to ask him twice to re- to practice with me, and I get to sort of be a trumpet coach with him. It's kind of fun. He yeah. actually—he respects my playing because when I pick up the trumpet, he can hear that I know how to play, mm. and uh, and so he listens to me, and it's just really cool. So we had something uh, called Nisma, right. Um, if you don't know what that is, um, don't worry. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's See, a, um, sure what is It's it? not eating anyone alive. Um, how do you describe it? It's like, uh, you play for a judge, you prepare a piece. You yeah. Prepare. You play for a judge. It's like an audition almost for, it's like a competition. It's sort of like a, you get graded. There's a couple of things you have to prepare a piece and then you also have to do some sight reading, which just means they put the music in front that you've never seen and mm-hmm. play it and you have to play from memory. You know, you choose three scales. Now, typically, the, I used to do NISMA too. And um, typically, you rehearse for one, two months, three months maybe. I used to do six months of rehearsals. for Jesus the, Christ. Because well, if I was playing a level five or six, it was oh. extremely difficult. And uh, and so, I really overprepared for it. But he literally, he did a week <laughs> of preparation. <laughs> and this was his first NISMA. And that's kind of on me. We decided to do it late. I thought if I have two or three weeks with him, he's pretty good. He can yeah. pick it up. Well, finally we got to it the week before. And uh he pulled off a twenty out of twenty eight. Super. Well, yeah, it's okay. The the reason I mean I would used to get twenty seven, twenty eight. Uh, you know. Okay. So I'll, he could have had an outstanding, but um but I was just so glad that he did it. And uh I know it was hard because, you know, he played the piece great, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but the sight reading, we didn't get a chance to practice sight reading. We didn't right. get a chance to memorize the scales he needed, so he got marked off. But it was a really cool experience. It was a real... Great. Bond. It was bonding. I've been doing a lot more bonding with my kids. Bonding is good. Um, You know, just finding things you're both interested in is so hard to do. It is. And uh yeah, it was really great. I'm really proud of him. You know, he's he's got a great tone on that trumpet, man. It's like, I'm really, really happy about it, Um, you know. Cool. And that was fun. But Ben didn't do this He didn't do it because... Uh, does your teacher have to recommend you for that or something? Um, maybe.
0: Because she said something like, Ben, I mean, you're you a good enough sax player, but you don't practice, so I can't... Yeah. And I was like, well, fair enough. Well, no kids <laughs> practice enough at that age. Yeah, know. he doesn't... Ben does practice at all. Yeah, you know, It amazes me that he can get up there and actually play the pieces, but he can, and he can sight-read. and
1: No kidding. Yeah. So it's like a talent, like Noah... I've got him, you know, they play at school. And when we did NISMA, I really pushed, uh, you know, we did it like every day that week. Mm, mm -hmm. But on a regular basis, if he just, and the teachers are always like, please practice because no kids practice enough. So, you know, it's fun, um, you know, get some practice in, but it's a little stressful. Yeah.
0: Well, good for him. I mean, maybe he'll, you could do it in seventh grade too.
1: Yeah, um, I, you could do it all throughout high school. Oh. and Is it, it so he going to
0: play again next year, trumpet?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's going as far as he can go with this. Ben is, too, but he doesn't know it yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, like, Noah didn't do Boy Scouts, and, right. like, Ben did Boy Scouts because he's into it. And it's just, you know, it's like yeah. one of those things. This is going to be, like, Noah's excited to do jazz band. Yeah, and, um, excellent. And all of that. And uh, I understand that you've been uh, giving Jack lessons on public transportation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes, well, Jack Jack goes to a school that's a few towns over, and there's no late bus for clubs after school, so he has to take the train, but uh, he was feeling a little trepidation about finding his way through uh, Mineola to get to the train station, which is under construction, and finding the track. So I took the train there today to, and met him after school, and we did walk back there together. But he made me walk like three steps in front of him because he was embarrassed that if his uh. friend saw his dad... Walking him to the train
1: station, they would think he was like, you know. It's funny because that train station, I used to take the train from our town because I didn't have a driver's license, right? And probation, the the probation uh, yeah. office it's, is walking distance from that train. Near that bar called uh, uh, Rehab, Rehab, right? I think, or the recovery the room. recovery room, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's a great location for where I was at because you go north. You can go to my outpatient, and you go south, and you hit probate. So I used to always hey, see where do you get the crack, though? The crack, um, <laughs> it's a good question, but I won't answer it on the air. <laughs> um, and so I would always see kids from that school decked ah, out, yes, getting on the train. Yes, so, yes. yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm
0: hoping he can, because, you know, I'm going to be away next week, and he's got clubs next week, so hopefully he can do it himself, get on the train, get home in one piece, you know. It's, you know, he's 15, but, like... I remember doing it when I was his age and I didn't think twice about it, but times are a little different,
1: you know, they are different. Um, no, that's cool. I mean, it looks like you've got a, a, a lot here on the life updates. So yeah, not too what much. is this about the Catholic church and, and I in battle? For oh, minor so he,
0: here's a little, a little way that recovery sort of, um, interjected itself into my normal life. um, so, I don't, those of you who listen to us regularly may remember, you know, I had this whole thing where I had to get a letter from the parish priest that said that Jack was baptized, and I had to get him baptized in order for him to get into this school that I was just talking about, right? So, basically, you know, the deal was Father Tom would baptize him, but then he had to go through religious classes and everything and to get confirmed eventually, right? And we've, we're reaching the point of confirmation, But he doesn't have to go to religious class because he goes to a school that he gets religion once a day. Right, Catholic school. But the ladies in the office, in the parish office, uh, never emailed me the forms that I was supposed to fill out. And the Catholics are very um, legalistic when it comes to some of these things.
1: Bureaucratic?
0: Bureaucratic. I needed to get a form... In triplicate. For the person to stand up as a sponsor at Confirmation... I needed that person to take that form to their own parish and get a raised seal on it. Notarized by the Catholic And a priest to assert that the sponsor was not living in sin or in some sort of contravention of Catholic social uh, family teachings. So, so anyway, they don't send me the forms. And then last week, they're like, where are the forms? And I was like, you didn't send them to me. And then I was like, oh, my bad. You sent them two days ago when you reminded everybody else. Okay. Two days after that, they email me and say, you've been repeatedly sent the forms and you've <laughs> refused to return them. And I'm like, "I," so I sit there and, I, and I'm i all pissed off because I'm like, you know, these people. I'll just go become an Episcopalian. Yeah. I don't need this shit. Join my you church. Know? We
1: got plenty of seats.
0: And uh so I write out this nasty gram, like, you know, and then I, that I, nasty yes, and then I stopped and I, and I sat, I sat with it for a little while mm. and I said, now, what, what is this, who is this serving? If I send this email to these ladies who are probably either volunteers or getting paid very little money to run this entire program, yeah, and I turn myself into a big raging dickhead, <laughs> what is that going to do for anybody? Mm. Right? Make you
1: feel better it's for gonna, a minute. Yeah. And,
0: and then I'll be horrified because they will go running to the priest. The priest will then throw uh-huh. more of a hate on me than he already has on me because I sort of v- very occasionally show up at church on right. Sunday. So, <laughs> so I thought the better of it. And I typed out a, oh, we'll be getting those forms back yes. very soon. Thank you I, so much. I, I, I apologize, but I just received them for the first time a couple <laughs> of days ago. Uh, <laughs> and I have to get this other priest, I have to get to sign. So anyway. Fortunately in some miraculous thing, I, I got my father in law, uh, who's gonna be the sponsor, got the <laughs> he got the form signed and stamped and I don't know how because he's there's a couple of things that he may be running afoul of church uh uh, doctrine, but, but how would they know that? You know, like right. I guess they, the priests assume you're not going to lie to them, which is right. You know, it's like when I, I
1: went know. to pre cana I had to. We went to pre cana because my wife is Catholic. We got married in a Catholic church. I am not Catholic, so in order for us to to get this, I had to sign something that said I would raise my children right and live a Catholic life. Oh my goodness! Do you think I meant it? Oh, I don't know. All I wanted to do was make my wife happy, and I said, you know, whatever. I <laughs> said, <laughs> sure,
0: whatever you want. Uh I guess you know we we do, we you know engage in these little fictions to make to make life go easier but I I um my point I guess is is that had I not had a little bit more development mentally through recovery I would have sent that email and I would have been like, like you yeah he's in the school now I don't need this shit anymore I'm going to go you know be, become a unitarian or something <laughs> and I didn't do it and I now I feel better about it because Whatever these ladies, you know, I don't care. They may lead totally miserable lives. They may hate everybody. They may, but they may also maybe like have their own cross to bear. You know, maybe oh. they have a bad, you know, maybe there's somebody sick in their family or maybe, you know, you just never know what road somebody else is walking on. You never
1: so, know. And, that, and that's another thing I've also been doing since getting recovered is I'll do that same thing. I do it mostly on social media. I'll think of a snarky response or an angry something. I'll type it, mm-hmm. and then I just don't post, right? Or write an email and save it in drafts. Yes. I've done that several times at my new job. Um, not that I was writing something nasty, but sometimes I can be over the top with my uh, ingratiating myself. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes I, I'm too hammy, right? And um, and it comes off as disingenuous. So I'm really trying to like. You know, it's a great exercise. You guys should try that. If you're angry, write that angry email and just don't send it. Think about it. <laughs> Be very careful which button you press when you're sending it to a draft folder. Yeah. It, <laughs> it happens all the time on Twitter. You always hear somebody send out a nasty yeah. tweet, you know, and, and maybe, it bites them in the ass. Yeah, it'll bite you.
0: So I attribute my recovery to the fact that I didn't
1: tell some church lady to go fuck herself. That's, that's very, <laughs> very, very nice of you. <sighs> um, cool. Uh, I wanted to also, um, oh, this is fun. Um, <laughs> I'm like, do I keep boring people about my job? No, of uh, course, yeah. I don't want to. Oh, so, um, you know, I have impulse control issues, <laughs> I right? I have noticed. I do. I've been struggling with, and this goes back to the root of my disease, I guess you would say. Mm. Impulse control I, it happens with shopping. It happens with, you know, whatever hobby I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If I have the ability, like when I was, you know, really into buying guitars, I couldn't stop myself. I would start obsessing. Yeah, I'd see a guitar I wanted and all I would do is think about it until I got it. And it was very hard for me to to stop myself from these impulses. And that translated into addiction. I'd start... You know, you get that, people out, these monsters out there, you can relate probably when you're in your addiction, that craving really, it's a thought that pops in. Yeah. And then you feed it. Yeah. And you think about it and think about it until it drives you crazy. Yeah. And then you do it. Yeah. um, Yeah. And so- (laughs) I that mean good. I have you, <laughs> you, you
0: feel that dopamine rush, man. When you buy that guitar and you get it home and then, then you have regrets
1: yeah, afterwards. Yeah, like <laughs> ultimately I sold them all for dope, but um <laughs> in any case, so I'm starting to see, you know, and, and those of you out there who with children, as you see them grow, you begin to see yourself in your children. And for me, maybe you, it gives me some trepidation, some mm. worry because I don't want to see these traits in my kids that may lead them down the uh, addiction path. And mm. so, and my oldest son, I see it more than my youngest, this, the impulse, um, to do things, this obsession over little hobbies that are short lived. And we started doing Pokemon together. It's been a great. Like Pokemon um, Go or. Pokemon, the card game. Like Oh, the, original, the card game. Okay. Yeah. I've sent you some pictures. We go to the, yeah. the board game cafe and in the last four Sundays in a row, Noah's like, we have to rent a table there. We did that once and we've been doing it. Um, we'll get a. Th- it's a three-hour table, and we go there and we just play Pokemon, but mostly it's about buying Pokemon cards. Yes, and you could see that he's. Got- and it is fun, and I love, I love the whole. You open it, you don't know what you're gonna get, and then we spend an hour sorting the cards, figuring out how we could use them in a the deck, yeah. and we play. You know, but it's this upset, obs- and we get home, and then I continue to like zone out, and we like organize the <laughs> cards. It's a whole thing. And, uh, but I'm seeing it in him where he, he like, well, we'll buy like a few packs and he'll do it. And then he wants more. Right. He wants that dopamine hit again, you know, and I can see, and I'm trying to squash it and trying to get in control of it, but I'm feeling that way too. I'm kind of like, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, let's just get one more pack. Yeah. One one more pack, pack." one more pack. You know, and, um, it's been a great little thing for me and him. It's, he's not, uh, you know, I, I think of it like this. He's not on his computer. He's not looking at his phone. It's me and him. It's yes. Daddy and Noah time. But I do get nervous about he's got the same trait as me. You can tell. you know, like He obsessed over getting a, a Nintendo Switch OLED, which is the new one. Right. He already has a Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. The only reason he wants is because he saw a pretty commercial. Right. His friends are talking, but there's no reason for me to buy this for him. It's also too expensive. Yes. And so I worry, you know, I Did don't know. Did you buy it for him? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was very proud of myself because in the past I have done things like that and I just get in trouble because, you know, if I don't like clear it with the family and, you know, I mean my (laughs) wife, it's not good. So that's kind of something that I've been, it's been weighing on me, this kind of this Pokemon and I I don't want to overindulge and overspend, right? but it has been really positive. I don't know. You guys never played Pokemon? Uh,
0: no, I mean, Ben is obsessed with Pokemon cards, but he never uses them to play. Like he, he, like we found a place in China. I shouldn't tell you this because <laughs> your impulse control is going to go off yeah. the haywire, but I found this little kiosk in Chinatown in New York. We were there this, this past weekend where they have packs of Pokemon cards for three bucks a pack. Really? Are yeah. they legit? Pokemon yeah, they're legit. Games? They're legit. Mm. And, um, Interesting. Cause they're like six bucks. He's selling them wholesale. So he opened up a bunch and and he totaled up the value of all the uh, the foil cards and figured out that um, he made like 10 times the amount of money that he spent, that I spent, I should say, you know, whatever. But um, if you've ever watched Noah and Ben at like round one or one of these arcades, when you give them the cards, they might play like one or two little games and then they park themselves right in front of, you know, the coin machine where you put the coin in the slot and it pushes the other coins off and then they fall down. It's basically a slot machine for children is what it is, sort of. And and they'll just blow through both cards just standing there like a couple of junkies. And um, I worry about that too. Um, I just, because I... Like, I don't have that. Like, I, I don't like to gamble. I don't get a rush off of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes me nervous that I'm losing money. But, <laughs> but, but Ben seems to really... Go in for that kind of thing, and when he and Noah are together, oh, forget it. It's like they, they both like laser in on the, on these games of chance because they're trying to win tickets to trade them in for
1: stuff. And you when know? you get when they get that win, or when Noah gets that yeah. card, you know he has a whole routine. He opens the pack. Yeah, he says you have to go four cards to the back, flip it over. Then he like it's a ritual. Yeah, he, t- he goes okay. Here's the last one, and he reveals it. You know, it's a whole thing. Ooh, that's scary. That's like it's
0: yeah, yeah. That's what I don't know, man. That's, <laughs> I, can, I can understand where you're coming from with that, because that's you know when you're ritualizing like stuff, behavior like that, and yeah. it's also you know attached to um, you know spending and you know getting yeah. that rush off of it. Yeah. So stay
1: tuned I, for what happens there. Yeah, I can't wait till the two of them are teenagers if we're
0: still doing oh this podcast. <laughs> It's, all, it's, gonna get, it's a whole other generation of, of children to worry it's about. It's going to
1: get very interesting. Um, one interesting thing is you got any, uh, a message from an old friend of yours, I understand. Um, you've been getting a lot more of these. Like, so this is vamping. You're, I don't know.
0: I, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, I was putting yes. my shoes back on.
1: You've been getting a lot of these emails out of the woodwork from old friends and coworkers that somehow, through the ether, they, they sense or they somehow know that you're a recovery guy. Wait. And then they reach out to you. This guy, uh, who asked that I not use his name, um,
0: I think he first came across this podcast uh, independently of knowing it was me. And then he sent me a note saying, I just listened to this podcast. And then it, <laughs> the voice sounds very he's familiar very to me. familiar. And I, and I said, yeah, it's me. Um, but anyway, he's been a great guy. Um, yeah, I went to, uh, I don't know how much I can really say about where our relationship comes from without divulging too much information. Anyway, he's having a, a an issue with, um, with Alcoholics Anonymous, surprisingly. And, uh, knowing my proclivity to take a, um, a more nuanced a view of AA than perhaps some other people in the recovery sphere, uh, reached out to me with some of his thoughts and, um, he said to me, he said something interesting, and it was it was that he feels that AA's been really getting to him lately. Like, he feels worse coming from meetings uh, than when he doesn't go to a meeting. And he's at the point where there are some not-so-subtle pressures being exerted on him to go all in with service, um, spread the message, become a sponsor. And he's kind of pulling back because he, he just doesn't, he can't buy into some of the dogmatic stuff and the cult-like dynamics and he kind of wanted to know what, what I thought about that.
1: and um, A lot of people get stopped on that. And what do you say? What do you do? How do you, you know, there's one school that thought that would say you continue to sell them on it.
0: Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I know this guy pretty well. Or at least, you know, I knew him very well when I knew him. In a, on a more regular basis, you know what I mean. Yeah. So um, I don't know. So I I I I put in my response was like the best thing about AA is the people. Uh, unfortunately, that's also the worst thing about AA. Yeah. Um, and I I recommended he, he listened to our interview with Evan last week because Evan basically sort of reframed uh, twelve step in AA in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before, which was sort of as a um, Almost like Jungian therapy, you know, and in, in the in the way that he was discussing the relationship between Bill W. and and Carl Jung, and mm. how, what what is it the essence of all um, feelings of enemy and loneliness and depression and all that is that man uh, is is learning for for a uh, relationship with the divine, however mm. you define the d- divine, right? Um, but I I don't think that really answered his question because, um, you know, his, his issue is more the dynamics of the particular group that he was in, which seemed to be cut from a very traditional cloth. Um, so is he recovering? Like, is he sober a while? His, his sober day is pretty much the same as, as mine. Uh, maybe he was he, like a month earlier. And he smokes a little weed every now and again. So, uh, yeah, I know I'm not near yeah. the butt. But it's, it's funny because I told them, like, whenever I bring up my objections to AA, people always assume that the God issue is where I get stuck, but that really isn't it no. for me. It's the, it's the question of powerlessness. I mean, I don't believe I need to turn my will over to anybody else or to a group. I mean, uh, spirituality is a big part of my personal program, but it isn't AA spirituality. Right. I mean...
1: I don't believe in checking my brain at the door. I don't believe what, doing your best what I'm thinking, told.
0: I don't believe, your best
1: thinking got you in this position. I don't believe that. They always say that. So
0: I'm hopeless for AA, right? I mean, we, 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 agree, we agree on this. Mm. Uh, but it, but he's like, they're all telling him that if he leaves AA, he's just going to go out and drink. And I said, you know, AA is very good at mind-fucking you into believing that without AA, you're doomed to drink again. And that all ties in with the powerlessness because that's why admitting you're powerless is so destructive, because if you're powerless, then of course you'll drink again without AA.
1: Right. And, it's, and if, you, if you're if you taught to believe or you're led to believe that AA is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through him type mm-hmm. of thing, you're going to believe that if you're, you're out of the group, then you have no hope. Right. So why not go fucking crazy? I mean, there's all... I believe there's all different ways up
0: the mountain. I don't believe that Jesus is the one true savior. I think you know you can be a you can worship uh, Krishna or Jesus or or whatever you want. Muhammad, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, at the, the essence, uh, all 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 paths are are valid. I'm going to tell your priest. <laughs> when you said that. It's Okay, I'm on I'm on his shit list anyway. Right. I mean, so what did you say to him? I said I I, I said. Well, I, I told him my my theory of addiction, that, that it's a, a maladaptive coping mechanism for trauma, anxiety, and depression, and that making a searching and fearless moral inventory will not heal trauma, and it won't get rid of depression and anxiety. Um, but I told him uh, that, and he's in therapy, and he's in IFS therapy, which oh. we we're talking about, and he has been for two years, and he's making progress there, but he feels like this I actually picked up the phone and he picked up the phone and called me and we spoke on the phone. An after.
1: actual phone call. An actual phone call. It was great
0: hearing from him. I had, yeah, hadn't heard cool. from him in years and I, I always always liked this guy. Um, you know, so he is, he's you know, he's sort of already kind of made up his mind about what he wants to do. He wants to focus more on the therapy and maybe pull back a little on the AA because he's been getting some, some shit from AA about the therapy. You know, they're just like, just go
1: to meetings and do d- do My worry is that he doesn't have a support group. Like, that's the thing that um, people who leave AA, they don't have another method of support. Like, we have the, the Facebook group and our you know, right. Patreon, and and there's, you know, I think if a person makes sure that they they don't have a gap where there's no support while mm-hmm. they're trying to get away from that kind of group, I think right. that's where the danger comes because mm-hmm. I think it's so important to have that accountability either an accountability partner Mm -hmm. or even if it's your family who's on board and they're just trying to support you. So like, right. Uh, And I think,
0: I think he has some of that. I mean, he, he actually pops in our Facebook group and posts every now and again. And we should Uh, get him on the inner sanctum. Yes. Get him on the show. Get him on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think you resolve trauma and PTSD and he has some PTSD from, from some childhood issues and what I know, like totally valid, you know, <laughs> yeah. issues, um, you know, you, you get through that stuff by therapy. You don't get it by standing in a circle in a church basement holding hands. Um, that could help, It could but, maybe, but it won't Maybe, but, but if you got a guy who's, you know, on your ass all the time about making sure you go to your meetings and make the coffee and all the shit, or if, and if you're not like in a hundred percent, then, you know, you're going to fail. Uh, that's the kind of AA I don't think he needs. You no, know, personally. No. I mean, ultimately, it's his decision w- w- whether it's serving him or whether what he gets out of it is worth what he thinks it's taking away. But if you feel like it's holding you back in your therapy, then...
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just nervous to tell people, run away from AA and not offer an alternative. Of course. Of like, course. You, well, it's I, important I, to do something. I mean, you don't want to do something detrimental, but,
0: you know... I mean, I asked if he had any... Um, I don't think he answered me If there was like smart recovery in his area, or uh,
1: we were going to do a smart recovery, recovery yeah. I mean, we
0: sort of ran out of time.
1: Yeah, um, I still want to do
0: that yeah. actually, because I was thinking we could have meetings on the beach. Yeah, how awesome that would be, right?
1: Smart recovery. We could bring back some swag to smart recovery, make yeah. it a little cool. You know, Doby Dave always talks about his beach meetings that he yeah, goes to. Yeah, that's kind and of why I
0: was, you know, thinking that might be like something to
1: do. He's very dialed into AA and gets a lot out of it. Listen,
0: and and that's fine. Like if you get if you get stuff out of AA, if if you're the type of person for whom that that you know you your psychology meshes with that way of thinking, then have had
1: it. Great, you know. Yeah, the important thing is but, that you're but doing if, something. But if
0: AA is t- if the people in AA in your AA meeting are telling you that they are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, maybe you. Need yeah. to find another
1: way. Reach you know? out, reach out. And um and that sort of brings me to maybe the last thing we want to talk about in this section. Is I wanted to just kind of uh talk about Evan Haynes, uh just his oh, yeah. interview because it came up a little bit. If you guys haven't listened to our very cerebral uh interview with author Evan Haynes, he wrote Can America Recover? I mean, it was just Mind-bending. I mean, usually, as you can tell, I can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And, talk, and we had uh, moments where I was speechless because <laughs> of just what came out of his mouth. You know, was so like I had to absorb it, and it made me like, oh, wow. You know, there was a couple of moments like that. You know. And a lot of that stuff, and I love that, you know, that depth of thought mm-hmm. towards recovery. And um, because it is this huge, you know, you can make it as narrow as you want. You can say, I didn't drink this hour, right? no beer today, tomorrow, no beer two days. But when you bring it out that wide, he's talking about society, mm-hmm. capitalism, you know, Jungian's theory of the collective unconscious archetypes, you know, it, for me, I love that. And he just had some very, very interesting uh, points that I just, it's tying it all in together for me. Like the whole idea of, you know, in, in AA and in recovery, we talk about reaching out to another addict, another alcoholic and Mm -hmm. how important that is. And then he talked about, you know, with Carl Jung How reaching out to another person is really reaching out to yourself Mm. because we're thinking about all of us as one being really, you know, just sort of separately. Like we're all pieces of, you know, the source creation experiencing itself type of thing. And so by connecting with other, you know, people, you're really connecting with the divine, the source, you know, whatever, the, the big picture, and I think um, it was just really great. And um, I don't know, what did you think? Like, is that why the twelfth step is so personally beneficial? As you're
0: helping others, you're actually helping yourself because we're all the same entity.
1: Absolutely. Well, yeah. I I think to me that's what it it really all comes down to. It's just to like, sort
0: of bring it back to AA, you know. Sure.
1: Yeah. A- yeah. Absolutely. We're we're all really. When I look at you, I'm looking at me. I'm looking at God simultaneously, mm. or in God, you can call it whatever you want, source the universe. And I think having that kind of perspective, really, for me, it just propels my consciousness. It makes me, I don't know, I feel like I understand myself better.
0: Yeah, it's really sort of changed the way I look at recovery in the macro sense, because what we really need to do is, in order to see the other in yourself and and see God and the others. To I mean, society needs to develop a greater sense of empathy because it it seems like there's not a lot of empathy in our society.
1: Yeah, empathy is so huge. It's so it's so huge. And um, but can you teach empathy? I don't. I think you can.
0: But wouldn't it require sort of the deconstruction of all of like the social structures that have had you that have caused your mind to think the way it does about your relationship with other people as other individuals instead of seeing them as more like brothers. Because, I mean, we're so structured to be competitive and to be uh, individualistic and to be an island unto ourselves. But what's what's needed is those barriers need to be broken down. And if you... And like Evan says, like the way to break down the barriers is you, you have to do nothing more than fundamentally change the way we relate to each other in society. So it's a huge order, man. It's a tall order. I mean, you got to start with yourself, right? Yeah. Like, but like are we going to be able to get a critical mass of people who are going to want to be so introspective as to sort of engage in these meditative practices or whatever to realize that the veil between you and me and you and me and the deity is really so paper thin that it can just blow away um yes <laughs> <laughs> like how though you know well, because you're not getting it in the church on Sunday i mean maybe you get it in in your church but i, I like I, I don't get it in mine. I mean, I, I get it when I sit on the cushion in the garage every, mm. day, every day, and I get it when I chant
1: and when I, you know... Well, the more of us that... Well, because, look, I, I feel like I've always been an empathetic kid and an adult, but I've become more empathetic mm. in the studies that we've done, in the research, the the understanding, the self-work. So I know that even without deconstructing society... I've been able to become more empathetic. You have, yes. Right.
0: I so find it if I can do it more of a challenge, though. Like I'm not okay. a natural empath. I, mm. I am typically more cynical. I have I have more defenses up, and and I'm working on this, you know. And and I think I'm getting better at it. And I'm I'm trying to see, you know, the God particle or whatever you want to call it. The mm. you know in in everyone and recognize that you know. That under the source is I like that. Where does where do you get that from? Uh, calling it the source, you
1: don't want to know. Some of my paranormal. Is uh, it really? Yeah, <laughs> some of my hooky-dooky stuff. Well, into the, quantum, the
0: quantum s- field or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Source um, field and seeing that in other people and identifying that in other people. And I think just by virtue of like having kids,
1: you become more empathetic by nature, you know, if you're not a total sociopath <laughs> anyway, um, but um, well, that actually is a great uh, segue. And um, since we're speaking about my woohoo things that I listen to, they talk about source. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to end uh, this segment with here's a little saying that a, uh, one of these paranormal guests said that you should say to help encourage the shift of earth towards a more empathetic, um, you know, place, right? Yeah, Mary you say, Ann Williamson Here's what here. you say. Here's yeah. the mantra. Earth, shift happily now. Earth, shift happily now. Earth shift happily now. Earth shift happily now. And, and with that, I think I'm going to take a break and we're going to come back and discuss compare and despair and how it affects your recovery.
0: We're back. We
1: are back.
0: It's the dawning of the age of Aquarius.
1: That's right. Um, uh, I'm just, um, I'm hoping people are following our meandering stream of consciousness show. I wonder if people like more structure like we do occasionally or mind these sort of Discussion-y shows. I don't know. I'm going to listen back to this. It's going to sound like I've been smoking weed all night. Smoking them tweets. Yeah. So um, we're getting to the main topic of the night. And as I was just discussing with Mike, we've kind of been sort of hammering this point throughout the whole episode. Um, the compare and despair. Yes. And it's, um, it's a good topic. It's a light topic. But, you know, we can take it as far as we want. And I've got... Um, and I've got a couple of little thingies to read. Now there's a Wikipedia on comparing despair. Uh, it's a verb apparently. You're
0: always talking about the little thingies.
1: Uh, to distress oneself by comparing one's own situation with that of others who seem more successful. Um, and then um, I've got something from psychology today. Um, and it's uh, it's called it's by Kim Schneiderman. Uh, and it's How to Tackle the Green-Eyed Monster. And uh, Kim writes, A former dance teacher used to say, Don't bother comparing yourself to others. There will always be people better than you and worse than you. The most important thing is to ask yourself, Am I improving? Of course. This is often easier said than done. Not only are we... Constantly bombarded by advertisements preying on our insecurities, (laughs) but recent studies show that social media sites actually feed jealousy by creating the illusion that other people are living happier, more fulfilled lives than our own. I say illusion because as a Stanford University study seems to suggest, people often underestimate the discontent of others. Most of us can expect to encounter the green-eyed monster from time to time. I guess that's jealousy or envy. Yes. Uh, And while we may never truly slay the beast, the following tips can help keep it at bay. One, acknowledge your jealousy without judgment. Envy is a universal human emotion that is at least as old as the Bible itself. The more you can own your feelings, the less likely you'll act on them. Two, Get in touch with the aspiration and wishes underneath the envy. Are you jealous of your friend's trip to Tuscany? Ask yourself <laughs> what steps you might take to make travel plans of your own. It may take time, but setting an intention can point you in a positive direction. There's only four of these, don't worry. <laughs> Three, gonna say <laughs> remember that each person has his or her own unique happiness recipe. Some people prefer roller coasters. Still, others would rather curl up with a book. Being attuned to your own life purpose is... Needs and accomplishment helps negate the need for comparison. And the fourth and final is instead of comparing yourself to others, compare yourself to the person you were one year ago. I love that. Mm. Five years ago or 10 years ago. Oh dear. Are you (laughs) wiser, happier, more confident or peaceful? If so, take pride in your own growth. If not, explore what has thrown you off course or how you might improve your outlook. Um, There's more of these, but I think that's a great... Jumping off point.
0: I say the comparison is the thief of joy. Uh-huh. I say there's no reason to compare yourself to anybody. But I think... It's human nature. Is it? I think. Or is it economic nature? Because in the society in which we live, mm. that is based on consumption, uh, conspicuous consumption, always having to purchase, always having to buy it serves the needs of people making money or who want to make money to stoke the fires of jealousy and envy.
1: Yeah. But I think you see this in the animal kingdom. I bet you caveman did it. Like even the stray cats in my backyard, I feed them, you know, two of them will be eating and there'll be another one. You can see they're getting like, I want that food. Well,
0: that's different, but they're not,
1: they're, you know, they're not, they're not,
0: one cat's not eating friskies and wishing it had fancy feast. Mm. You know, that's a, that's a uniquely human thing.
1: What about the caveman? Let's like, go back to cavemen and like the guy in the cave next door, you know, he's got, you know, a wild boar skin jacket and, you know, you don't quite have one yet, but you're working on it and you're thinking about it and maybe his caveman wife is a bit trimmer than yours or something or the next the caveman next door maybe his son is like progressing in his boulder throwing or or hunting you know skills i feel like this is this feels like something that is natural but you're saying no i'm saying it's a construct i'm saying that
0: studies have shown that the natural human state is most likely one of cooperation rather than competition
1: i don't know maybe because i
0: think you know at least I don't know. that's a bit beyond the it's actually kind of a fundamental question, isn't it? It's, it's also at the heart of the argument between what economic social system is, is best suited for human nature, you know, a capitalist system of competition or a or more socialist system of uh, distribution of resources. But regardless, um, I, comparison is the thief, <laughs> the thief
1: of joy. You know <laughs> An old saying goes: "Who is happy? He who is content with his lot, keep a daily gratitude list of <laughs> blessings in your life i mean that's that's a good idea yeah
0: it is it is a good idea to wake up and to think about the things that you have and how blessed you you know if I, even in a secular way, how lucky or how blessed you are to have what you have
1: you know can i can I admit something here sure i I want to admit something I want to come clean about something that I do. It's a little schadenfreude esque. Okay. Um, so it's a social media thing. Now, we're talking a lot about you're on social media and you see people, you know, oh, look at his house. Look at the work they're doing. Look what vacation they went on. Right. One thing I do is, and, and don't tell anybody because I feel shitty about this, okay. but um, I, so. between you and me, I will search, you know, somebody I used to be in rehab with or someone I know I haven't spoken to in six years, but we're friends on Facebook and I know they're still, you know running around in their in their addiction and disease and stuff like that or i'm ch- and i check to see you know just where they're at and sometimes i get a little like i don't know i better I, off
0: than that guy yeah
1: <laughs> a little bit and i feel shitty about it and i'm am yeah. saying it out loud i think loud. everybody does that sometimes but like i seek it like out like looking up an old ex yeah well i seek it out yeah and uh and it makes me feel better that's that schadenfreude. I love right. that word. It's that feeling better with someone else's demise. Uh, and and that's unhealthy. But um, I suffer from that too. I look to see anytime people are posting, it pops up and I go, man, I, I wish I was still playing in a band or, you know, some of my musician friends they will post a picture of their new guitar, you know, or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, I wish I had that or things of that nature.
0: It's, it's, it's hard not to get sucked into that. I, I agree with you, but, it, it's like you are like it. It comes. It it came up with you and with me with respect to our college trajectories. Let's call them. Yes. You know. Where I have a lot of envy. It took me thirteen years to get to get through undergrad, and every single year of those thirteen years, I looked at friends that I had from that I started college with who were going on and be. You know, yeah. and I, I had like a career anyway, but. I was still going to school at night, and I always felt like a lesser human being. Me because too, because I didn't have that that credential and that degree.
1: A hundred percent. We yeah. both went through th- that exact same thing, and you know, but it
0: didn't serve. It, like it didn't, it didn't help me.
1: But did it like um, give you inspiration to do more? I no. Mean, do you think there's I think any positive side of that?
0: I would have done it whether or not the people that I knew had degrees or not, because I was doing it for me. I wasn't doing it for them. I wasn't doing it to impress anybody other than myself really and and I think that's what it comes down to is you shouldn't do these things for other people you have to it's much like recovery you have to do it
1: for you you have to be the reason let's say you're on the beach okay and you're feeling pretty rad <laughs> that's my usual state of being on the beach i'm rad you like your bathing suit oh you're having a good hair day oh and if you this had is great. if you had to rate your body satisfaction <laughs> it would be at a solid 8. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly you look up from the selfie you're taking and you see <laughs> and and you see two models walking down the beach trailed by photographers. Oh my. Self-critical thoughts start darting through your brain and your body satisfaction plummets. Totally totally, to what? totally, totally illogical, right?
0: those models wait where where does my body satisfaction fall from an eight to like a four
1: well because you're looking at these models this is just a i don't know presumably have much better bodies than i do So, so psychological studies back up the idea that constantly comparing yourself to others can have a negative impact on your mental health (laughs) no shit (laughs) so it feels terrible why do we keep doing it well for a couple of reasons oh okay first what are those reasons firstly humans are a tribal species understanding your social standing has an evolutionary advantage uh being part of the group and matching other people was as was as important to build connections and foster trust So
0: so your physical looks Have a bearing on where your
1: social standing is. Maybe. So comparing yourself to others may have started out as advantageous. Second, society exacerbated this tendency, just like you said. Most of us live in capitalist societies where we are encouraged to reward competition as healthy and Now I can do the aha. Aha. (laughs) We fetishize ideas like survival of the fittest, and we teach children that competition produces the quote best and brightest that's the problem right your brain has been taught not only to compare yourself to others all the time but to constantly be attributing an importance and weight to any differences you see wasn't i saying something very similar to that you were but um in addition capitalism teaches us to commodify ourselves aha and <laughs> see ourselves as interchangeable but she, this articles putting it much better than i, okay. I could or me for that matter. Uh, we're taught to see ourselves as living in a series of marketplaces uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the job marketplace the dating marketplace thinking of ourselves as commodities in a marketplace exacerbates the tendency to constantly compare ourselves to others as though we are just a collection of parts or attributes that only matter based on how much they appeal to other people and how much the the that insecurity can be exploited by marketers and uh, corporations. And on top, on top of this capitalist competition mode, we live in a patriarchal society where women are constantly encouraged to compare themselves to each other to evaluate their worth. This is hitting it on all. Yeah. Except for when the, the rat Is that in the, like L magazine? This is unfuckyourbrain.com. <laughs> oh okay. we are encouraged to base our worth on external things like physical appearance and how attractive we are to men or women. Mm-hmm. We are also taught that male or female approval is scarce is a scarce resource. And that um, we are in competition for it, so I approve of everyone. So that's that's capitalism. This article is actually blaming it on capitalism. So of course, we are constantly comparing ourselves to other. Between capitalism and patriarchy, your brain is. Prim- I think this is geared towards women specifically. Your brain is primed to constantly compare yourself to other know. people. But I'm. Uh, but why? It's a good social analysis. But, but why do I you don't so, disagree? Why do you so often find yourself wanting or lacking uh, when you do that comparison? Do you want the answer? Okay. The answer is simple. You have an existing (laughs) belief system about your own lack of worth. Ah, where do you get that from? You already believe you are inadequate, and your brain is constantly looking for evidence that you aren't good enough. Wait a minute. I love this. But wait wait a minute. But wait a minute. Wait a minute.
0: Why is that? Why do we do that? Why do we assume that we are inadequate? Where is this lack of self-esteem coming
1: from? My parents. (laughs) <laughs> I blame my I mean, that's dad. the Freudian, uh, you know, explanation. I feel like I should get attribution to this article I just randomly started reading. It's on unfuckyourbrain.com. It's called Compare and Despair. Um, it's kind of good. I mean, I'm kind of happy I read it.
0: But I'd like to know why we. Why we? Why the assumption is that we're all walking around with low self-esteem. I mean, it may be true. It may, it may be true, but... Well, I,
1: I think the point... This the uh, author is making mm. is, it's the, just as you said and I think also that Evan Haynes was kind of saying yes. is it's this and I like this uh, analogy of like we all are it's like a marketplace yeah, the commodification the com- of everything yeah so yes. you're always like trying to sell yourself to your peers right. to people even sitting across from you at your AA meeting or at church yeah so what if you're not into that
0: into what what if you can't what if you don't want to do that what if you don't want to commodify yourself What if you want
1: to constantly be on the hustle? Do any of us really want that or do we feel like we have to?
0: I don't know. But I think people who who suffer from substance abuse disorders and who already have self-esteem issues may find this problem to be particularly vexing. Because, you know, we cover up for this perceived low self-esteem and inadequacy
1: by using drugs and alcohol. Well, ultimately, compare and despair boils down to two things to remember. One, you only want whatever another person has because you're telling yourself you'd be happier if you had it or you'd believe you were more worthy. And two, what creates happiness and feelings of worth are your thoughts. That was from Which, the article.
0: But your thoughts are not you. Aha. Remember?
1: Well, uh, we've, or,
0: we've covered this ground before. You are not your thoughts. Je pense donc je suis. Yeah, that's a very I reductive am. way of looking at it.
1: It's Descartesian. Yes. Cartesian even. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I think we're kind of getting into this the bigger picture stuff when it comes to this, but I, I don't know another way to sort of look at it. Um Don't so, compare yourself to other people. It's a fucking wasted time. Last thing I'm gonna say in this <laughs> that's that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say one more thing about this because we've talked about it the whole um the whole episode really This is something that I actually tell my family a lot because, you know, some days when my little Maxie, he's seven, he's depressed because he didn't get enough time with his friend or Mm. something didn't work out the way he wanted it or whatever it is. This happened this weekend. I tell him, like, Max, in life, things will most likely never work out exactly the way you wished they would work out or planned or the way another friend had it. So the key to, to being happy, I, I gave him the key to being happy, oh. can you imagine? Can you give it to me too? The key to being happy is being grateful and accepting and happy with what you have right now, mm-hmm. seeing the benefits, seeing the joy in your life currently, even when like you have a day planned and maybe it doesn't go the way you want, but to find what the good things are in that day. And that's where my Pollyanna toxic positivity comes in. And I think if we can just do that, you know, like, like she says in this article to compare where you are now to yourself a year ago, six months ago, yeah, that is a better gauge of how you're doing and like how you're really feeling.
0: I think that's a good idea. I think it's also, it also bears remembering that living not too far in the future with those anxieties and not too much of the past with those regrets is a good idea. You need to live more in the the present and I think if you do that you won't be so envious of other people and you won't be comparing yourself to them.
1: Earth shift happily now. Yes. And that was the main topic. (sighs) Uh, Tell us what you think. Write us at MikeR at MiddleAgesRecovery.com Or just put it up on the Facebook group. Um, Yeah. Either or. Either way. Okay. Yes. Can, Can we do the thing now? Recovery in the News. Yeah! All right! Recovery in the News. Recovery in the news. Recovery. Recovery in the news. Motherfucker. Yeah,
0: Re- recovery in the news this week uh, is an article from the old gray lady, the New York Times, which has finally gotten around to something that I've been beating the drum on.
1: Beat it. <laughs> Beat your own drum I'm
0: beating my drum all the time What I finally uh, have gotten around to covering What I've been sort of It's sort of been on the edge of my mind As everyone's been talking about all these uh, Increased deaths from opioids That have occurred during the pandemic And I keep shouting What about the alcohol deaths Mm -hmm. That have been high all along Well, uh, according to this article in the Times Alcohol-related deaths spiked during the pandemic Study shows the deaths were up 25% in 2020 compared with 2019 amid heightened stress factors and delayed treatment, according to a new report. Let's just pause for a moment and consider that a 25% increase, a one in four increase over the year before is a pretty significant statistical situation, don't you think? What's
1: the increase again? <laughs> I <laughs> zoned out. Wait, what? <laughs> Alcohol-related deaths. <you> know, <laughs> oh, fuck. Why am I laughing? That's I, awful. I don't know. How dare you?
0: Um, so the, it was. A, it was a big study. It was done by researchers with the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, which is a division of the NIH. Mm. Uh, it was published published in the Journal of American Medical Association last week. I see. Using information from death certificates. The researchers included all deaths in which alcohol was listed as an underlying or contributing cause. The assumption is that there were lots of people who were in recovery and had reduced access to support that spring and relapsed, said Aaron White, the report's first author and a senior scientific advisor. Now, the statistics in here were nothing short of shocking. Shocking, Shocking, I say. I'm shocked. Um, Among adults, and here's the one that really got my attention because you're, you're probably sitting there listening through your ear holes and saying not another discussion of pandemic overdose deaths please god <laughs> no more but did you know that among <laughs> this is not funny I, i'm not thing, i'm just tired all right go on among adults younger than 65 alcohol related deaths outnumbered covid-19 deaths Ugh. in 2020
1: jesus uh, is because COVID's a hoax and it wasn't really killing well, anybody anyway? Some
0: 74,408 Americans aged 16 to 64 died of alcohol related causes. Wow. While 74,075 individuals under 65 died of COVID. Wow. It's
1: and they a don't crazy talk about t- it.
0: statistic. And the other crazy thing is only 75,000 individuals under 65 died of COVID. Hmm. That's crazy to me. But anyway. Uh, and the rate of increase for alcohol deaths in 2020, outpaced the rate of increase from in de- of deaths from all causes, which was 16.6%. The alcohol-related deaths went up for everyone, men, women, every ethnic, every racial group. Deaths among men and women increased at about the same rate, but the absolute number of deaths among
1: men was much higher. Wow, uh, yeah. It said young adults aged 25 to 44 experienced uh, the greatest increases increases in alcohol related deaths in 2020, uh, rising nearly 40 percent.
0: Forty percent.
1: It's not good, folks. Young I adults, mean, 25 to who is dying? Yeah. Age 25 to 44 from alcohol. Like, it's one thing if if we're talking about, like, cigarettes and society has roundly criticized tobacco makers and there's not advertising anymore and it's generally shunned, mm-hmm. you know, but we have something that is being promoted relentlessly on television and, you know, wherever you go, it, it's being promoted. It's not at all uh, out there. That this is this dangerous. It's it's horrifying. And one of the most successful companies during the pandemic was a company
0: called Drizzly. Have you heard of this company? Drizzly. I have not. Drizzly is sort of like the Uber Eats for alcohol. You right. call and they bring booze to your doorstep. Thank and God. But if you've ever seen their that. commercials, they're just like kind of blow your mind, man. Like you can it's just like like replace Alcohol with uh, with cocaine, and it, you see what what a farce it is. I mean, alcohol is by far the deadliest drug that exists in this country, and yeah. it's the least regulated. It, it, it you can go buy it anywhere now. They bring it to your front door. Yeah, it's I terrible.
1: Mean, I've said this before. If I had a delivery service like this, when I lost my license and I was all alone and it didn't work, and I just wanted to drink. I could have just been like, beep, boop, boop. I, you know, it, it's not good. It is not good. I don't know how we get out of this, it's, honestly. It's
0: so weird that the, simultaneously, the rise in like the sober movement, the sober curious movement, the the huge increase in NA beer sales and NA cocktails and, all, and these sober bars and everything, at the same time, drinking has been going up for 10 or 15 years among adults and the trend accelerated in 2020. Um, so you have this rise of people that, don't drink at all, but you also have a rise of people that are apparently drinking a lot more.
1: So it's like two—it's like two opposing camps almost. There's an interesting part of this that was right after that. Um The motivations to drink yes, changed. Yes, I, I saw that. Boredom. It's, yeah, boredom.
0: I mean, I get it. I mean, we were all home during the pandemic, but.
1: I don't know. Mm -hmm. Adults in their... It also says adults in their mid-20s to mid-40s with children at home were under increased stress as they juggled remote working and learning, she said. Those without children who generally drink more anyway may have been contending with more isolation and loneliness. Yeah. But... So...
0: Can you blame people because they're being told that this is on TV, on you know everywhere they look that alcohol you should have a drink to reduce your stress?
1: Yeah, we're almost
0: raised, and it doesn't even reduce your stress. That's the thing; they don't even understand. And Uh, then, of course, there's the issue when you drink at home. There's no bartender monitoring the size of the drink, so you have less ability to regulate how much is going into the glass. And of course, I remember that like.
1: Yeah, like, do bartenders really do that? I mean, well, they yeah, because if you're falling off your chair, they won't serve you. Maybe. Well, but
0: you can you can go home and fill up a, f- a fishbowl-sized glass yeah. of wine and be like, oh, I only have one glass yeah, of wine tonight. That was one class. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so that's the appalling news. Uh, well, thank you so much for that. <laughs>
1: Recovering the news. Yeah. Ah, we are almost there, but we have one more segment. You know, I wonder if I was in the
0: what? like 20s if I would have been a, a temperance movement
1: guy like after I quit. No, I think you like would, would have, I walk around with a sign like You would have been a bathtub gin guy. You would have been Yeah, but
0: then I would have quit, right? And then would but then would I have walked around with a hatchet like like those government <laughs> men like breaking open casks of whiskey? Yeah, that would watching be cool. It pour out on the street <laughs> while I stand there with my Who's that famous, sucker suit
1: on? Who's the famous uh police officer that went after like uh, Elliot Ness. Yes, was it was it? Um, yeah. from Boardwalk Empire. They, oh, uh, oh, they that highlighted could, that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, recovering the news. Yeah. And now it's time for <laughs> weak and weird. And now it's time for weak and weird. Uh, <laughs> so by the tympanum. Actress Courtney Cox claims she sold her home due to eerie ghost experience. Oh, I always love it when there's a celebrity involved. Uh, actress Courtney Cox claims that she sold her home in Los Angeles following a particularly eerie experience with a ghost that occurred in the residence. The friend star shared the spooky tale during an appearance on the Jimmy Kimmel show earlier this week. While discussing her new horror comedy series, Shining Veil, Cox was asked if she believes in ghosts <laughs> or had any experience with spirits. The actress responded that indeed she had, but that, quote, I didn't believe it at first, and then recalled a rather chilling incident that changed her mind, according to Cox. <laughs> Really? I'm sorry. The weirdness (laughs) unfolded at her now former Los Angeles home, which is located in the city's Laurel Canyon neighborhood and once belonged to singer-songwriter Carole King. Oh, no shit. When the legendary recording artist visited the actress at her new home, the residence's former owner indicated that it had once been at the center of a contentious divorce and seemingly as a result, quote, there was a ghost in the house, although Cox dismissed King's Fantastic assertion. Visitors to the home soon began to experience some unsettling activity. Quote, people who had stayed there, friends of mine, said that they had felt an encounter with a woman who was sitting on the edge of the bed, the actress revealed. Amazingly, she said, King subsequently returned to the house to perform a seance. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Why? people in Hollywood are Uh, fucking deranged. Presumably in the hopes of helping the spirit cross over and depart the residence. However cox admitted to being so in awe of her and the surreal experience that i didn't listen to a word. wait a minute wait a minute
0: so so carol king knocks on the door one day is like hi honey i'm here to perform a seance here with my courtney cox was like come on i'm so in awe of you carol king performing a seance in my home
1: now still skeptical of the strange situation cox conceded Cox, <laughs> she finally became a believer, following an eerie visit from a delivery truck. <laughs> just sounds like a bad porno movie. It just gets better and better in the process of dropping off a package. The Cox, the Cox back <laughs> The man asked the actress if she knew that her house was haunted. Do you know that you are is <laughs> haunted? Confused by the question, <laughs> Cox asked him, <laughs> "He knew such a thing?" And the driver replied, "Quote." Because there's someone standing behind you. Uh, following an understandable gasp from the studio audience, the actress lamented that she never felt comfortable sleeping alone in the house again after that and subsequently sold the residence due to the unwanted and otherworldly housemaid. <laughs> you fucking break. You know what? She's
0: promoting a horror movie,
1: right? I mean,
0: I think she's. I want to hear what Carol King has to say
1: about this. I think she's being genuine and she's genuinely afraid of this presence that has been. Uh, Haunting her, and thank God for Cox. <laughs> Think apparently, thank God for Carol King, Carol Cox, and her seance. We love it, and that, my folks, is a Bigfoot-free, weak, and weird. Uh. <laughs> Well, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Thank you so much for listening. I, did. I feel like I'm graduating. <laughs> Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So, tweet is a twat, you twit. Support your favorite show. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Join our f- private Facebook group. by a t-shirt. Write and say hello. We love meeting you guys and, and chopping it up in the Facebook group, but join the Inner Sanctum patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages for a higher level of support bonus merch video episodes and more and finally the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend if you get something out of our little show please share the love and grow the rma movement and as we say (laughs) non profici et perfectum progress not perfection see you next time Bye. bye be good